In the early part of the 20th century, physicians and other healthcare workers began to realize that infants living in orphanages suffered from incredibly high mortality rates. Babies were dying in orphanages. Now they received food, they had shelter and clothing and water and everything that they seemed to have needed, but still the mortality rate was high. Today, we're going to talk about how some guy did research with some monkeys that paved the way for you and I to know how to treat our infants to help them feel attached and to develop well cognitively. We're also going to introduce the new series on the podcast and maybe even talk about the series to come. Hi, I'm Scott Brown. Come talk to me. So this is the first episode of a new series on the podcast. And in this series, we're going to cover child and adolescent development. And we're starting here today by talking about infant development, ages birth to about one year of age. And then we'll talk about toddlerhood, one to three, and early childhood, three to six, and school-age childhood, six to 12, and then the crowning gem of human development, adolescence, from 12 to 25. And we'll take these in different episodes. Some of the developmental stages may take more than one episode. So, early part of the 20th century, 1920s, we begin to realize that children in orphanages are dying at a much higher rate than children who are living in homes. And we tried to figure this out. We tried to figure out what's missing. They had food. They had water. They had shelter. They had fundamental medical care. They had clothing. They had everything except touch, except love. So a guy named Harry Harlow does some research, right? And he takes baby rhesus monkeys and he puts them in a cage. And in the cage, he has, he did different variations on the research, but essentially he has a wire monkey, not a very pretty wire monkey at that, that is uh, there to simulate sort of an adult rhesus monkey. Um, And that monkey has a bottle of milk in it. He has another wire monkey covered with soft, furry kind of cloth made to look kind of like a monkey with a light bulb inside. So that monkey is warm. And he finds that the baby monkeys cling to the warm monkey They will cling to the warm monkey and lean across to the other monkey to nurse the milk. Or if the monkeys are too far apart, they'll cling to the warm monkey, get down, run over, nurse milk from the wire cold monkey, and run back over to the warm monkey. Because of Harlow's initial research, there followed an entire body of research on attachment and bonding, infant development, and these sorts of things. And so today I want to send two messages to you about your infant and infant development. One has to do with touch, and the other has to do with cognitive stimulation. So we're going to start off with touch. And one of the things that we find is touch immediately after birth is incredibly important. We used to say earlier in the profession, we really liked for infants and mom to have about 16 hours of skin to skin contact in the first four days of life. Now, there's nothing magical about that 16 hours, okay? But it is a good measure because what we find, and this is reported in 2013 in the Stanford Medicine Journal by Julie Grecius. Touch immediately after birth helps a baby regulate his heartbeat. It helps the baby regulate his, her 
his her or their temperature. It helps the baby regulate breathing and helps them cry less. It also enhances breastfeeding. They found that moms who did this, who immediately had the baby on them right after birth, really skin-to-skin contact, 95% of those moms were breastfeeding exclusively 48 hours later, only 48 hours later. Now, that's early, right? We did a lot of touch, a lot of holding on to, a lot of uh, letting the baby slobber on you, letting the baby be on you, uh, feeling the warmth, uh, talking, uh, feeling the talk come from your chest, all this wonderful sort of thing. But we don't want that to stop as the infant gets older. We want that touch to continue and really be close and have a lot of time. But we also can turn that touch into different things like baby massage, which is incredibly important, right? Baby massage helps with sleep, it helps with digestion, it reduces baby fussiness, it improves neurological functioning, and it helps with weight gain in children who are born premature or underweight. In addition, for mom, it increases lactation, improves relaxation, and reduces postpartum depression. So already this bond is forming and it's really fantastic, really healthy. We know the opposite side, that a lack of early touch leaves children at a higher risk for behavioral, social, and emotional problems later in life. This is from Kathleen Kathleen Harmon of Scientific America 2010. Children in orphanage still today have uh, higher levels of stress hormones than their peers who are adopted. So what we're really wanting, and this is something that that we don't like to see stop, right? It has to change. You're not going to have your uh, four-year-old child lying naked on you while you're naked. That's absurd, of course. But we like hugs. We like touch. We like uh, playfulness. We like, and while the, the baby is little, carrying the baby around. This stage, this zero to one age period, uh, Eric Erickson referred to as trust versus mistrust. And probably nothing builds trust better in the infant than feeling mom and dad. Feeling mom and dad carry the baby around. Feeling mom and dad hold the baby. Feeling mom and dad lay with the baby. Feeling mom and dad be with the baby really inspires a sense of trust and well-being. Children who don't get as much of this emerge out of, of infancy with a sense of mistrust of the world. Greater levels of anxiety and fear and uncertainty in their own ability to handle things. Piaget refers to zero to two as a sensory motor period. During this time, cognitive development for the child is based on their senses and their motor movement. That's how they learn about their world. And what he finds is that early on, um, children just experience. They are sort of little sponges. Um, They uh, touch, they uh, hear, they see, they um, feel, they smell. That, That just sort of happens. And this really improves, um, is really improved with, um, touch from the parents. Cognitive development is improved with touch from the parents. Children develop a better sense of self-regulation and develop a better ability to pay attention.
as children develop through that first year of life, you'll see things change. Their movements become more intentional. You can place a rattle near them and they'll reach for the rattle. As they get even a little bit older, my granddaughter, now about seven months old, maybe I guess closer to eight months old, um, put toys around her and she'll do the commando crawl to get to the toys and push the buttons and see the lights. So we move from a time of just being a sponge to a time of something works and I repeat it, to a time of real intentional behavior, going after the toys, going after that sensory experience. And the more of that that we can give the child, the better. Now, of course, we want the child to get plenty of rest and sleep is super important for brain development. And we want them fed well and all of that. So we don't want 24 hours of constant stimulation, but we do want a lot while the child is awake. Here are a few ideas on how to provide that stimulation for your child. First, talk to them. Now listen to what I'm about to say to you. Talk to them even before they're born. When our kids were, were, when Jennifer was pregnant with our children, I would talk to them through her tummy. As a matter of fact, call me crazy, I actually got headphones and a microphone. And I read Hop on Pop to them. And I read um, other things to them. And we played Mozart to them. And we played Pachelbel's Canon in D for them. And we did things like push on her tummy when they would kick. And I would say kick. And, uh, you know, I would move it around. And I use other words like poke or jiggle. She really liked it when I jiggled her tummy while she was pregnant. That made her really happy. Um, <laughs> but these sorts of things, even before the child is born, we believe now, research out at Yale University, that stimulates brain development. But certainly after the child is born, talk to them. Tons of times I had long, difficult, long, wonderful, I should say, meaningful conversations with my children uh, ages zero to one that were very difficult to understand. I had no idea what they were saying to me, but I was pretty sure it meant that they loved me. And I know I was telling them back that I love them. Sometimes we talked about great works of literature. Sometimes we talked about scientific advances. We talked about the Kansas City Chiefs, of course. We talked about all kinds of important things. I just wasn't sure exactly what they were getting at with their input. Things like toys, balls, rattles, bath toys, um, are really great for the child during the first three to six months. Um, and, and as the child gets a bit older, interactive toys with lights and bells and whistles and buttons to push are really fantastic. Reading to them is really great. And when you read to them, give the characters different voices. Start this right away. Right away. Start this before the baby's born. But certainly after, read to them, read to them, read to them. Marwada in 2020 says that the more that we can provide these sorts of stimulus, stimuli, I should say, to the baby, the more the baby develops cognitively, learns about themselves, begins to separate themselves from the environment, realize that they're a separate kind of person, feels more confident, calmer, sleeps better, and is more inquisitive, not just during the first year of life, but later in life as well. So a couple of quick things, touch, 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 stimulate, 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 zero to one. Now, as I said, next podcast, we'll probably move to toddlerhood, 
one to three. That may take a couple of podcasts. We'll have to see how that develops. And we'll move on through the development all the way through adolescence. Then after that, I want to talk with moms and dads about how they can use one of the most powerful tools they have in parenting. And that is their relationship with one another. And we'll have specific things to talk about that. And by the way, this applies even if mom and dad are divorced or even in single parent families with regards to how the single parent interacts with other adults. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. We look forward to talking with you soon in the future. I'm Scott Brown. Thanks for coming to talk with me. Dr. Brown is a licensed psychologist. This show focuses on general parenting advice. If you are concerned that your child might have a mental or emotional illness, please seek help. Your pediatrician's office is a great place to start. Come Talk to Me is by Priority Care Productions. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. To learn more, visit pcpeds.com or see the show notes in the episode description. Thank you for joining us and join us again next week for Come Talk to Me.